want to thank you for joining us tonight and entrusting your Christmas Eve with us here at Hope. And as we have worshiped together, we've been focusing together over the last several weeks on a concept that is the born Christ. What it means for us to accept that the Lord Jesus came and in his born identity that he was 100% man, in his born supremacy, 100% God. And this last Sunday, we focused in on the idea that the Lord Jesus ultimately gave us a choice to choose to accept or to reject him. A legacy is a gift that's given to us that we can choose to receive. So in the simplicity of John 3.16, we lit this candle on Sunday that, that says for, that, that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a beautiful message, isn't it? And this morning, or this evening, we're going to focus in on the last of this series. And this is our born ultimatum. That when the Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost, that you and I are left with a choice to respond to that or not. And so the question for each one of us is, are we going to receive the gift of Christ? Are we going to ignore the gift of Christ? I'm going to give you a little insight into the Brennan, fam Brennan family that I grew up in. Now, I'm one of, of four boys, three brothers, and my mom, when we were young, had certain things that she really impressed into us. One of them was that this plant is poisonous. And so in our household growing up, if mom ever saw us carrying a poinsettia, she'd be, you better wash your hands. Did you guys wash your hands? And if we went to someone's home and had dinner at the table and they had a poinsettia at the middle of the table, my mom would be like, can you believe that? Like almost implying that they tried to take us out that night, right? <laughs> now, none of you have ever heard this before, I'm sure. But in the Brennan household, not only did we hear it, but we believed it. And so um, now some of you are too young to appreciate this. But back in the day when there were banks that you were required to go stand in line for to make deposits, not many do that anymore today, right? But I was in line, we had, I had one of our daughters, she was very young, she was an infant, and um, she was just able to just sit in my arm like this and ended up getting in one of those bank lines where I was going to deposit a check and got in there, thought it was going to be shorter, and it took an hour to get through this line. So I'm by myself uh, going through this whole process, and we get up to the front where I bend over to sign the check that I had forgotten to endorse, and I look up in my sweet innocent, precious little daughter has two fistfuls of a poinsettia in her hand, right? So you picture it like the juice is just dripping off, right? And I freaked out. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating at all. And because I know, I'm, I'm not in the running for dad of the year, obviously, uh, but I know that when, with little ones and some older ones, whenever we get anything in our hands, right? What do we do? We go straight to the mouth. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. And so I kind of shrieked. I'm sure the people in line thought this was hilarious because they all know that poinsettias aren't poisonous. Uh, but I was convinced for this moment that I had to do something. And so when I decided there's no bathroom around, and so what I decided to do is I figured that my big body could handle this poison a little easier than her tiny little body. And so what I did was I took her poinsettia dripping poison hands and I shoved them into my mouth, right? And, and she is just giggling and laughing. She thinks this is the funniest thing in the world, right? And so then I wait and nothing happens, right? Because it's not poison, right? 
You know, for you and I, um, when it comes to the message of the cross, that the Lord Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you to capture this for a moment. Let's just imagine that, that I did die. Um, I know that's not a pleasant thought for some of us, but I, let's say I didn't make it, but that I decided in the heat of that moment that, that ultimately I was willing to trade the rest of my days for her life that, so that she might live. In God's word, when it says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down. Do you know what the word is? It says that he laid down his life as a ransom for many, that he chose to die on our behalf. And at Christmas time, I, I suppose for, for some of us in the room, we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and especially the infant that was born and we say, I, I can deal with that version of Jesus. You know, he's comfortable. He, he's not telling me what to do. He's not demanding anything from me. But the, the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that's pretty palpable for us. We, we can relate to that, that version of Jesus. But when Jesus reached adulthood, Jesus said statements that were pretty profound. He was pretty radical in the life that he chose to live. And the Lord Jesus is going to say a statement in his adulthood that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Now that statement is profound. And there have been many scholars over there. John Duncan was a pastor who originally said that statement, for those of us who heard, hear that statement, when we read that in God's word, then we can only respond in one of three different ways. Uh, Josh McDowell picked it up, C.S. Lewis, others have, have communicated. Like, there's only three responses to that declaration that the Lord Jesus said, I'm the only way. And, and the one response is that he was lying that this was a grand scheme of Jesus. For some reason, he, he wanted to get followers and so he was just a fraud. Or that he's a lunatic, that he's, he's just crazy. He didn't know what he, what he was. He, he was confused. And then the final one, which I believe is the essential part of the message of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that he died for us so that you and I can call him Lord. And so when we call him the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we don't say that ashamedly. We say that because of the fact that he's 100% God, 100% man, and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so this evening, when we talk about the Lord Jesus, one thing's for sure, you cannot ignore Christmas, and you certainly cannot ignore the message of the Christ. And as we study God's word together today, one of the things that we're going to focus in on is this ultimatum that he gave us, a, a choice to respond to what he did or not, a decision that's extremely personal for you and I to decide what we're going to make of this Jesus. Jesus to one of his friends said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, he says, who do you say that I am? And as you sit in that chair tonight, I, I don't know what your answer is to that question. For some of you, you say, hey, it's Christmas Eve service. Let's focus in on baby Jesus. But that baby grew in stature and, and wisdom and, and ultimately made these statements that we ourselves cannot ignore. Who do you say that I am? I like the way that Jaroslav Pelikan puts it. He says, it is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars, right? We know that. It's by his his, um, it is by his 
um, it is by his birth that most of the human race um, dates its calendars. It is by his name that millions curse. And it is by, in his name, that millions pray. This is the way that I pray, in Jesus' name, because of the work that he did on the cross. Jesus was not interested in staying, and in, in our staying the same when it came to the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. He intended to provoke change in our lives, in our hope, and in our perspective. So when these words were said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me, what Jesus was saying was, I chose to be a ransom for you. And how are you going to respond to it? So we can't ignore what it means to have a savior. When my mom, that same mom who convinced me that um, poinsettias were poinsettias, she's recanted now, thankfully. Uh, I might take her a poinsettia tomorrow just for fun, uh, but I won't tell her I used this illustration this morning. But when, when she shared the gospel with me when I was a boy, when, when I first wrestled with what it means to have a savior, she, she shared the truth of God's word, that every person sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin, what, the payment of sin that we all deserve is death. But the gift of God, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But, but we have to accept it. And what he says in the book of Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be, is it familiar to you? We shall be saved. And that salvation is, is a component of us standing back and saying that we need saves. We need, we need something radical to happen in our lives. So Jesus, for some people, is, is it, there's an attempt to just ignore the Christ part of Christmas. But Jesus ultimately gave you and I an ultimatum with his life. When he makes that statement in the book of John, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but through me. When you, when you think of what an ultimatum is, it's a final proposition or condition or demand. It's, it's the last offer, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an expression. Now, for some of you, you're troubled by this statement. What's an ultimate? What, what do you mean it's an ultimate ultimatum? Well, what we know about our life is that we have a lifetime to decide how we're going to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem with that is we don't know how long our lifetime is going to be, right? So I had, I was sitting in my office here, Highway, or not here at Hope, but at another church and received a phone call that someone was in a car accident on the highway and they were going to be at a local hospital and they weren't sure how long this person was going to live. And, and I drove and met the family when they arrived there and that person breathed their last breath. I actually had the privilege of praying with them and then they breathed their last breath, their kid young, and in the family member after family member, they just said, like, we weren't ready. We, we had one more thing to say. I wanted to say something more to them. I don't know how long you're going to have the privilege of responding to the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how long your opening process is going to be. For some of us, we assume that it's going to be a full lifetime, but what we accept is this ultimatum must be addressed in our lifetime. And the challenge is we don't really know how long that we are going to have to make this choice. I, I suppose for some of us in this room, that reality is a part of the pain of Christmas, that we've lost people that we love. We, we grieve for their stories. But I, I want to remind you that the Lord Jesus came that we might truly have hope. And you think of that 
term hope, and I love the name of Hope Church. I, I hope we embody it. I hope that when you walk in that you sense the presence of the living God, that our hope is in an object, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that hope requires us to decide for ourselves who this Jesus is. There's a choice that we can make. And those, those three categories that I mentioned earlier, like the, the first one that we want to focus in on briefly is that, that Jesus was a liar. Can you imagine that Jesus had this all schemed out and was, he's a fraud and the miracles are fake? He, he just, he just was, was lying to people. You know what is a tremendous response to an individual who would say that? I, I remember standing on the Mount of Olives in Israel where the Lord Jesus would ultimately have been before he would go to the cross. And one of the amazing things about that part of the world is that there's parts of it that aren't developed still. And what they say about the Mount of Olives, you can make this little hike, is you can go right up to the top of the Mount of Olives, you can look over the side, and it's just desert. In fact, you could just have vanished. And I, I suppose the person who stands back and says that, the Lord Jesus was a fraud, that he was a liar, that he, they're ignoring the life that he lived, but they're also ignoring the fact that when he died, that he could have vanished. People don't die for something that they don't believe in. I like the way that William Lecky puts it. He was a noted Irish historian and a dedicated opponent of the organized church. Listen to the words that he says. It may be truly said that the simple record of Jesus is three short years of active life has done more to regenerate and soften mankind than all the disquisitions of philosophers and all other exhortations of moralists. Now, this guy's a philosopher saying this. He's saying all that talk that we've done, if you add it all up and you compare it to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, like you can't even compare the two. He's done more. His steadfast claims, he lived up to his promises, he served faithfully. I love this image of the Lord Jesus washing the feet of the disciples who assumed that he was going to come as a reigning ruler, but instead he came as the humble servant. Jesus died for it, and he lived and embodied the values that he taught. The second guess would be, well, maybe he's a lunatic. What if he just thought he was God? One can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. I visited my parents' house a couple weeks ago for Thanksgiving, and uh, we had a Frisbee that landed on the roof, and I had a flashback, and it was a painful one, of the time that I did tie the bedsheet onto my neck and climbed on the roof and decided, because I thought I was Superman, that I could fly. And I will just tell you, it did not end well, right? So, nobody else has done this before? You guys are judging me right now. It was a painful encounter, right? I like the way that Christian philosopher Peter Kreef says, he says, the measure of your insanity is the size of the gap between what you think you are and what you really are. If I think I'm the greatest philosopher in America, I'm only an arrogant fool. If I think I'm Napoleon, I'm probably over the edge. If I think I'm a butterfly, I'm, I fully embarked from the sunny shores of sanity. But I, if I think I'm God, I'm even more insane because the gap between anything finite and infinite God is even greater than the gap between any two finite things, even a man and a butterfly. You get it? The, the claim that he was God, which Jesus made multiple times in his lifetime, that he, he, ultimately, um, he ultimately showed himself to be of sound mind. He was trustworthy. He, people trusted him. People died for him. They, they believed so much in his sanity and his 
story. And so this leads us with the third response to the Christ, that he's our Lord, that Jesus would ultimately be the one who not only came as an infant to bring us hope, but ultimately that that hope would be lived out through the work that he did on the cross. On the cross. We've been studying this together, but I want to remind you of these truths of the cross, that, that when Jesus was, was prophesied to come, that, that we were told that, that there would be a virgin who would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel. We know what that word means because it's defined in scripture as God with us. Friends, never let that stop being something spectacular, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us 100% God. But we also know that Jesus was 100% man. We're told in scripture that he was tempted in every way what was without sin. The book of Hebrews, his humanity is established beautifully. I want to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, one of those earlier passages of scripture that described the Christ And we sing these songs, we know these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Don't miss this. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and one of my favorites, the Prince of Peace. In John 1.14, we know that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory is only the Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's my king. That's my Lord that we're describing there. That's who I want to live for. That's who I'm willing to die for, for my faith. So the claims of Christmas are multiple, but this this statement that the Lord Jesus was the only way to salvation, that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, that 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 statement is one that summarizes the uniqueness of the Christ. So the Lord gave us this gift, and this gift is one that's expected to be received. We know that there were individuals that did not receive the message of the gospel well. First of all, we know there were examples of those who didn't receive the message of the Christ well. When when Herod heard that, that Jesus was coming, he tried to kill him, not a great response. The religious leaders of the day, most of them were completely indifferent to the Christ. They didn't even care enough to go check out the prophecies if they were going to be fulfilled. The two of the individuals that we honor at this time, that we we celebrate their response, and I hope, friends, that this is your response this year. I hope that to the gift of Christ, the way that you choose to respond to it would be like Mary and Joseph, that they entrusted their lives to the Lord, that they said, let it be that they chose to humbly receive the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph received him in a humble and an appropriate way. You know, I, I, I laugh about that story with the poinsettia, and I, and I can imagine, can you imagine if, if my daughter, if that had happened and that I did die, um, can you imagine how she'd look at poinsettias after that? Yeah. Just kind of look at them kind of strangely, right? Or with a little, I doubt we'd have too many of them in the, in the household, you know, after that. I want you to imagine for a moment that that's the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on your behalf, that his death was one that was a precious gift. And all he has chosen to do was to say that you have to be someone who's willing to receive it. 
For some of you, you may have gotten caught up in believing that you can be neutral to receiving Christ, that you can, enjoy, and you can ignore it, that you can wait for another day to address this in your life. And I just want to challenge you on this December 24, 2019, that you do not take tomorrow for granted. I want to encourage you not to assume anything about your future. And I want to encourage you to understand that this isn't just about a baby that we're comfortable with, but this is about the God incarnate that said to you these words. He said that I have come that you might have life, that I came to seek and to save that which was lost, that said those painful words for some of us to hear, but that is the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Those are the best words. That's why we call it the good news, right? And so we celebrate the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing our songs because we believe that it ushered in a new era of the new covenant that gives us the ability to call ourselves children of God. And today at Hope Church, my prayer for you is that that wouldn't be somebody else's story. I look at the artists, that we, the, the, the music, these guys say, I stand back and I go, man, I could never do any of those things. It's so separate from me, so, so distant. I, I'm so far away from that. I wish I could do those things. And, and I find myself inadequate in front of that. And in that same way, I look at this and I'm humbled and I say, Lord, why me? Why would you do this? But I'm humbled enough to also say that that's a gift that I'm so glad that I've opened in my life. So for some of you, Christmas is something that, let's be frank, you're ready to get done with it. You, you've, you've, you burned out on the songs, you're ready to move on, it's time. For some of you, I know, like we said, kids, you're like, I'm not sleeping tonight. Uh, I've got my flashlight, cookies, we're good, right? You know. But tonight, no matter what your age is, I wanna just remind you that that baby came on purpose, and that purpose was to offer you hope. Dear Lord, we love you. And as we continue on this service, singing songs of praise, I, I thank you for the candles that we will light. I thank you for that, that star in Bethlehem that was enough to alert individuals that were expecting you, that finally the Messiah had come. For some of us here, we are expecting you to show up, and I celebrate that. For others of us, we have been in denial or we have chosen to say that this isn't for us. And I just pray, pray for each person here that we, like Mary and Joseph, would be people who understand what it means to not only receive the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious gift of that son, but that we receive the work that the Lord Jesus did on the cross and when we're asked that question, who do you say that I am? That the answer to that question in our minds would be something that was palpable for us. That we would be able to say that you are our savior, that you are our hope. And I close with these words recorded in John 20 verse 31. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.